Total Beverage is giving the DNVR fam 30% off your purchase between $25 and $75. Be sure to get on this while you still can. Use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and Aurora to Brighton. And they have great prices, plus they now offer CBD products. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and get 30% off your purchase between $25 and $75. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your own home and get it delivered. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon, Cole J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Ah, I got it right this time. Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson is locally owned and operated with over a thousand varieties of beer. They have wines from around the world as well. You can download their app today and use promo code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. Be sure to get in on that because it ends at the end of January. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are the DNVR Avalanche team, along with Evan Rowell, who is not on the show today, sending good vibes his way. Hopefully his family is doing a little bit better or starts to very soon. AJ, you've been absent from the pod for a while. You did get back on yesterday, and we talked about things around the league, but we didn't talk about the Avs too much. They have lost their last three games in a row. Is there a lot of stock you're putting into this, or is this just another little lull for them? Um, I think that they lost in three different ways. Makes it easier for me to just say that it's a lull. Because uh, the Islanders game, they played really well. And sometimes you just get shut out, right? Like, that's life. The Rangers game, they played awful. That game was terrible to sit through. And... One of the very, very few times that I felt comfortable questioning player effort because they just didn't look like they showed up that night. And then the Penguins game, I thought, was just a good game. How it how it played out was really frustrating because they get the break of all breaks. You know, you go into the third period leading because a dump in from center ice goes into the net. And then, you know, you give up. A soft goal to 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 tie it, and I think it's just how it played out that was frustrating. Well, I do think it's a little bit of the context as well, right? If the first loss in this series of three was an overtime loss to the Penguins, the ads take that all day. But the fact that they had lost the previous two as well makes that feel a little bit short. Yeah, and like it's a it's a beat up Penguins team. And that doesn't seem to be mattering to the Penguins. They're rolling on and beating everybody, right? But 
the I mean the abs have to get right sometime. They do. It, it, funnily enough, it was kind of the same way that the abs were finding ways to win when they were pretty beat up as well. And now that they're healthy, the tables have turned a little bit. Yeah, exactly. The abs haven't been awful by any stretch of the imagination. They've had no, their... they've not been bad. Right. Um, I mean, the the Rangers game was a frustration, man. Uh, but that's I think that's more of circumstance than anything else. They they're up to two nothing six minutes into the game against a rookie goalie making his NHL debut uh, against a not very good team, and they just they just seem to take it for granted, and they just seem to just pack it in after that. And so I think that made that very annoying to watch because yeah. they just seemed like it was like okay, well we showed up and we scored a couple, and now we're here, and the 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 desperation never really kicked in. And yeah. that's frustrating. That's frustrating to watch because you're watching and you're desperate for them to win, to find a way. And when you feel more invested than they are, that never feels good. Of course not. And and to be fair, every team in the league has these games where they play down to weaker competition. Oh, yeah. That happens, man. I mean, we talk all the time that, you know, the best teams in the NHL lose about 30 games a season. Yep. The the greatest teams ever lose almost 20 games a year. So just good teams or some of the best teams in the league in any given year are going to lose plenty of games. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and, and really Colorado has done very well against bad teams this season. They have. The – the Avs problem is they do it in bunches, right? It's not one-off losses. It's they rattle off three, four losses in a row. Yeah, they get, they get in these, <clears throat> these lulls, like what they're in right now. You know, where it's you've won three of ten. Right. And ultimately, even with the lulls, they remain ten games above 500 and are still fine in a playoff spot. It's just... Every yeah. time they get into a lull, the question crops up again of how do they get out of it? Can they get out of it? And so far, the answer has been yes. But having to continually answer that question, it starts to drag after a while. Well, and, and because of the previous December's and January's, right. there's no well, there's no faith whatsoever. Especially with the way that they've lost these last two games, right? Where they're not getting the saves. Yeah where your goaltending has betrayed a lot of what you've done. Yeah, definitely. It's very it's very frustrating. It's it is. And the Avs have to find a way to to overcome it a little bit here as they have a what is now four games left on this homestand leading into the All-Star break. And I did want to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, they got the overtime loss in the first game of the homestand. What is does a successful homestand look like? Is two, two, and one good enough, or do they really need to win three of the next four? They need to win three of the next four. All right, sounds fair. Yeah, I mean, you need to. They need to get back to winning, uh, and they really need to figure it out at home. They're eleven, seven, and three at home. It's just not good enough and and granted they do have more home games in a way on the second half of the season they do have a schedule that is quite easy on this half of the season as well compared to the rest of the league so 
there is plenty of opportunity for them to right the ship at home. I wouldn't even say the ship is is wrong. They're above 500, but it could be better. Yeah. So. I mean, they don't need to be dominant, but they need to be playoff level at home. You, I mean, you you look at this homestand. We'll get into Dallas a little bit more since they play tonight. After that, you have the Sharks. That's one that they really need to win. Then you have the Blues, which should be a good game. And then you have Detroit. That's one they need to win. So if you win one of Dallas and St. Louis and win the games you're supposed to win, that gets you to the three and one over these next four. Yeah, I mean, you have to win the Detroit game. You can't if they if they win tonight uh, and then beat St. Louis and San Jose and you're feeling good and you're like, oh, man. They've got the three wins no matter what going into that Dallas game. Or the or the Detroit game, I'm sorry. Um, and then they go out there and they lose 2-1 to one or something, and it's just like, like, no, you have to win that game. There's losing two bad teams, and then there's losing to a team on pace for a 48-point season. Right. Take advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, definitely, they're set up in a pretty decent spot just by if they win the games that they are supposed to, as it were, as far as this homestand into the all-star break. So that's good news at the very least. They also should be rested and as ready to go as they can be with the days off that they've had. They had two days off before the Pittsburgh game and now three days off before the game tonight. So you have to think with that time off, they've also hopefully worked out some of the kinks in their systems as well. I don't, I, I'm man. If there's one thing that frustrates me is that the only time that we ever talk about systems is when they're playing poorly. I mean, it's not even you know, that they're playing poorly here. I think it's just that they have time off to actually get in full practice. I should say when they're losing games. That's, I mean, it's fair that that is what's happened. And I guess it does correlate with bringing the systems up, but that's not really why I'm bringing them up here. Just more so that in a season like the Avs have had, it has been very hard for this team based on the schedule, whether it be back-to-backs or injuries, for them to get inconsistent practice time. It has been, yeah. They definitely, it, it might be anecdotal on my part, but it does not feel from our seat like they are uh as practicing as much or as often as they have in previous years i think and, and part of that i think is the schedule has been pretty out it, there yeah well it's it's like what you said it's a combination of the schedule and their health because when they've had times to practice they've been very banged up and so they're they're trying to take the extra days to stay healthy and that's what you should do you should always prioritize the health. So uh, it's it's just kind of how things panned out. There's not really much that you yeah. could have done about it. Well, and and after you know they've got a week now before they go on their break. They go on the All Star Game break and then the bye week. Right. They they have a full ten days off after these next four games to completely right. get one hundred percent as much as possible. Anyway. And then starting February 1st, I think they only have two days off, maybe twice the rest of the season. Yeah, it's the the standard second half every other day play, basically. And and one of those comes immediately because they play on the first and then they don't play again until the fourth. 
Yeah. So that through the all of February, basically, and, and majority of March, I believe, it's every other day. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. So I I remember checking the March schedule and they played 16. They play 16 games in 31 days. Yeah. So every other day, bang on for the abs is is what they have coming after the all-star break. We'll go ahead and wrap up mm-hmm. our first period here, and it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. I had a delicious Colorado core today while I was in the office recording the Denver Sports Podcast. If Strawberry Sky is not your fruity beer of choice, then I would recommend the Colorado core as a great second one. It's kind of a half cider, half beer mix that, in my opinion, is just delicious. Or you can stick to regular beers like like the Avalanche Amber, the Oatmeal Stout, or even their Agave Wheat, if that's what you're into. You can find them at your local liquor store or pretty much anywhere that sells alcohol at this point. So keep an eye out for it. And also keep an eye out for the Breckenridge event calendar, which you can find on the DNVR.com, which have all of our events on it. And we will be drinking Breck Brew at all of them. So come out and have a good time with us. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He is AJ. We did talk about Around the League in our last show, and after we finished, Brad Marchand went out, took a shootout attempt for the Boston Bruins that went further south than I've ever seen any shootout attempt or penalty shot in not just hockey, but any sport ever happen. Um... That was something special. <laughs> it's memorable, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I recommend you go find it out on the internet. I'm sure it's all over the place. But Brad Marchand went to take a shootout goal as the potential last shooter in the game. He came up to the puck, essentially missed it entirely, but hit it just enough with his stick to move it about two inches. And because of that, that means it counted as an attempt and the Bruins lost the game. It, I've never seen anything oh, like it. I've seen I, last year, Tavares lost the puck as he was walking in, but he, you know, at least made it past the blue line with control of the puck. Yeah. We've seen a handful of guys do that over the years. You know, we've had some guys fall down, guys miss pucks, uh, this was the first one where I I can ever remember that a guy just ditched the puck at center ice. It's just it, it's such a weird situation, right? Because for whatever reason, Marchand just didn't put his stick down on the ice when he went to collect the puck. Right. Like and he just for, missed the puck. Yeah. Just there's no reason to do that on a shootout. It's I I don't understand what he was thinking or, or what happened there, but <laughs> Definitely one of the strangest hockey plays I've seen in a long time, let alone this season. And from a skilled player, you know, like one of the guys leading the leagues in scoring. Right. And this is a guy who was pushing for 100 points last season. So, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's pretty wild. And of, I mean, I'm the hockey world is is rejoicing for. It being Brad Marchand, of course, as well. So, you know. Everybody loves to hate the villain. Yeah. And and you know what? I don't mind hating Brad Marchand either, but he has certainly leaned into the heel role. And 
every professional sports league needs guys like that. Guys that you can love to hate. Yeah. Uh, he definitely – his response to the whole thing has been kind of funny. <laughs> because uh, he goes on Twitter today and he posts a picture of him raising the Stanley Cup with a winky face. As if to like remind people like, hey, I'm a good player. I mean, sure. Everybody knows yeah. he's a good player. <laughs> no right. one's out questioning that, I don't think. But, you know, he's also has the worst shootout attempt in recorded history. So it was it was honestly it was glorious. <laughs> and that he's teeing up people and, and trash talking fans on Twitter today. Like makes it even better. <laughs> I mean, it's complicated, right? Because, like, people who tweet at players, I usually am super against that. But he kind of started this. Yep. And when you go on Twitter and you do something, people are going to respond. Well, it it was kind of a perfect storm as well, right? Because this happened against the Flyers. So, of course, Gritty gets involved and his tweet is just licked the puck, poking it. Marshan's past crimes of licking other NHL players as well. Oh, disgusting. So it, it from the beginning it was it was going to be a bit of a, a Twitter storm and Marshan decided to to put his own stamp on things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think somebody might want to take his phone away from him though, because he can't be going around calling people peasants. Like, I mean, there are much worse things he could have called them. Yeah. I mean, come on, of course. But, I mean, the, for for a guy that is so comfortable, like, leaning into the heel aspect of this, for him to be so soft about this has been like, come on, man. Very true. For Like, you'll for, laugh at yourself because everybody hates you because of all your nonsense antics over the years. But you won't laugh at yourself over this. Yeah, certainly for a guy who has made a name for himself as a pest in the league first before turning into the the high caliber, high end skill player that yeah. he's become. Is you like to see a little bit of a thicker skin? We'll put it that way. Yeah, definitely. I like. It's always it's always interesting when. Uh, when pests and agitators come out and they end up being soft like this, you know, where they can't, they, they, they just don't seem comfortable with people coming down on them and for something. And like with Marchand, it's like, dude, you've accomplished so much in this league and you've, you've turned yourself into one of the best players in the league, but you can't laugh this off. Right, and like this is silly. His his reaction only makes it more memorable, right? Like if he laughed it off, it's you know at at best it's a hey, remember that time you totally biffed it on a shootout and ha ha ha, that was so funny. If the more he fights back, the more it becomes, oh wow, someone just is gonna pull a Marshand again in twenty years, and this will be known as the Marshand when you screw up in the shootout. Yeah, I mean it will be. And I mean, it's taken 
what, 15 years of being in the shootout to even get one of these? Yep. Uh, so glorious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always nice to to bask in, in someone like Marshan's failures, certainly, to say I, the least. You know, certainly, like, glorifying the misery of another is not something that, like, I day-to-day enjoy, but I enjoyed this one a little bit. I mean, I don't feel that bad for him. You know, at the end of the day, he's still a multi-millionaire. He's still a Stanley Cup champion. Right. He's, he's still doing extremely just fine. accomplished. Yeah. Right. He'll he'll be just, just fine in his day-to-day life. He's still going to go out and get to play NHL hockey the next night when he plays his next game. So, um, all right. I do want to get back to the abs a little bit. And I have a question that I, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to, but the abs have yet to beat Dallas this season. Ugh. With this three-day break, is there any amount of videography going on here specifically towards Dallas? Is there anything they're looking toward? Because obviously during the regular NHL season, you don't really have that time to prepare specifically for, for a certain team beyond basic scouting reports and things like that. No, I think, well, and I think the central teams are so familiar with each other. Yeah. Already that they don't need to do a ton of work. They they played Dallas three times, so they certainly have have seen it with their own eyes, if nothing else. Yeah, I believe they played them once a month. So, yeah, um, I think they played in October, November, December, and now um, we're getting the January game. So they're, I mean, they're getting they're getting different looks at them, as you know, they got the early look when they weren't playing particularly well under Monty. Um. They've got uh, their second look. I was also Monty, where that was a nightmare. Yeah, that game was uh, bad. Everything went wrong, and then their last look, they they played well. That was a, they played a really good game that game, and uh, could argue they should have won that game. Some technical difficulties there, as just everything these days seems to be going sideways with the the technology, I guess. The Denver Sports Podcast couldn't go live because we were struggling with technology, and now our, our connection is, is blinking in and out for the Avalanche Podcast as well. So awesome. apologies for that, but hopefully all of that will be fixed shortly. For this podcast, we will just continue trooping on. And if you want <laughs> more reliable than this technology for a local partner for your long-term projects, Denver Rubber Company is the company for you. They can make all sorts of different things. Basically, you name it, whatever you need for your project out of rubber, particularly with it being the winter season, they can pre-slot and cut to size any snowplow rubber that you need with blades cut to any length and slotted for mounting to your exact specifications. They also make a ton of other awesome stuff, whether it be materials that go in bulletproof vests or simpler things like custom hoses or die cut gaskets. They can help you out. You can buy for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate. And they're a family owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us at DNVR. Be sure to give them a call at one 800 259 
or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnbr and let them know who sent you. All right, we'll go ahead and mark this as the third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's. I'm still Ruto. He's still AJ. We were getting into the conversation about Dallas. You had gone through their last three games, ending off with the third game where they looked good, but still weren't able to come up with a win. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think Colorado has gotten better against them each game. Uh, yeah. The first game wasn't really all that competitive. The second game was just a total disaster from the start. But you remember, like, that's a – that was a 2-1 game at the end of the first period, and they scored a goal. They scored the third goal with a broken stick. Right. And it was just one of those nights where it was like, yeah, everything's going to go against you. In the middle of their uh, their lull as well in the start of the season where they lost five games. So Yeah. It it was a bit of the card stacked against them at that time. and Yeah, where it was just like everything was going wrong. Right. And then that third game um, – you know, they they had a third period lead and they tied the game. Dallas tied the game on uh, um, the Gurionov power play goal that went off Ian Cole's stick. Right. Just totally unfortunate. Bad it just, bounce. It just seems like, like no matter what Colorado does, they just can't beat Dallas right now. Yeah. Dallas has a little bit of the their number, as it were, kind of like St. Louis did. But then the Avs came back and and smashed St. Louis. That would be that's the kind of performance they could really use. It, obviously, I mean, you drop seven on anyone that that would be great. But it it is a similar situation, right? Where they do play not completely the same style, but a bit of a similar sloggy style that the Avs have struggled to get through. Uh, yeah. A little bit. Um, the Avs, the, the Avs have been able to generate chances against them uh, in all of their games. It's just that their goaltending has been awesome. Hard to argue against that. The Avs have run into that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think they need to win a two-one game so that they know they can feel like they can. Like it'd be, it, it's great. It's it's a lot of fun for them to go out and and win seven to three or seven to four or something, you know. But we've seen them do it, and okay, that's great. But where they've struggled is in the tighter checking games, and I'd like to I'd like to see them win, especially against a division opponent where they have not been good this year. Uh, right, I'd like to see them. The Avs, I actually looked up the numbers for not two to one goal games, but for one goal games, they started off the season 5-0-2 in one goal games. And some of these ended up being a two goal final because of empty netters. The next seven, they went four and three. The next seven, they went one, four and two. And they've lost their last two one goal games now. So so they're getting worse. Yeah, the close games have been trending in the wrong direction. It's what they've been struggling with is getting those wins when you have to close out a game, when you're not just blowing the other team away. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, well, and it's weird that a team was good at it early in the year. And because that's when you're loosest as a team. 
right you know systems wise and identity wise you're still trying to figure out who you are as a group and uh that it's it's weird that that's when they were nails closing out one goal games and now as their identity has developed that's i mean it's become part of their identity is that this is a struggle as much as it is on the side of okay your goaltenders need to make a save sometimes you have to win when you only get two goals i do think it's also on the other side we've talked about it many times with the power play and and just in third periods in general the avs are struggling to get that critical goal it can be 2-1 and if you get that goal to make it 3-1 in the third period it suddenly becomes significantly easier to close out that game. Sure, maybe the other team pushes. Maybe they get one goal to make it a one-goal game again, but that extra cushion is just so important. Oh, yeah. So I I don't want it to sound like we're pinning this strictly on the goaltending and defense. It's it's as much on the offense to, to pick up those insurance goals that make all the difference as well. Yeah, and I think the, their biggest defensive problem is not with their defensemen. I agree with that. We've talked about this a little bit as well. The the forwards just need to be doing a better job being more responsible in, in general, whether that's not coasting on the back check or simply supporting their defensemen in the defensive zone properly. Yeah. So it it's a team effort top to bottom here of, of winning tight games. You need everything to be doing their role to a certain satisfactory level or the tight games are the ones that you're going to lose. hundred percent. The Avs do need to figure it out. I, I think that is the case to be made here, whether that's getting the great saves from the goalie, getting that, critical third goal or just playing solid square defense mm, as all a team of the above. I mean, ideally all of the above is great, but you get two of those three and you should be winning games. Definitely. So pick two and go with them because that it doesn't matter how it just matters how many W's at the end of the year. Yep. Well said. Very well said. <laughs> Sometimes I, I get gems occasionally. Um, with Dallas, obviously the Avs do have the absurd advantage of Nathan McKinnon. Um, Dallas's highest scorer is Tyler Sagan with 35 points in comparison. So (laughs) clearly they don't have anywhere near the offensive firepower that the Avs have at the top. And and that's not to say Sagan isn't a very strong offensive player. He's just nowhere near what Nathan McKinnon is doing. And nor is he even a point per game. Like someone say Miko Rantanen is, is doing even with the time that he's missed. And you go on down the list. Joe Pavelski has not played well for them at all. Just 18 points in 45 games for him. And it it drops off very quickly with this team. This is why they have to play that shutdown style is they just don't have the depth to produce offensively. Yeah, they have to win 2-1. So the Avs don't have to score the roof off the building, I guess. You get to that third goal and that should be enough to beat a team like Dallas. True. I mean, I'm... I'm with you, man. First one to three against the Stars, and 
you get there, you should win. Is there anything to, well, let's put it this way. There was a lot of talk about the Avs PDO being extremely high and how they had been lucky in the first half of the season. They're not scoring as much in a lot of these games, whether they're getting goalied or their shots just aren't going in or whatever. Is that a regression to the mean or is it just kind of the flow of the game? Um, Sure. If you want to call it a regression, that's fine. Okay. So you're comfortable with, with that take on it anyway? Sure. It, I mean, that's that's fine. It's How it happens is always a little bit different, so this is fine. All right. I, I think that's fair enough. I The thing with this team is regression or not, or whatever you want to call it, they're still completely capable of dropping seven goals on anyone on any given night. It's just about finding that consistency of getting to the important goals. You don't have to score seven, like we said, but you also mm-hmm. you're going to need to score more than zero against a team like the Islanders. You're definitely going to need to score more than zero. Yes. Most nights you have to score more than zero to win a hockey game. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I think this team will be a lot easier to assess after these next four games. You'll have a much better read on what they have to do after the All-Star break then. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I, I think the second half, I, we're really already in the second half, but post-All-Star break yeah. should be pretty exciting this season. The second half of the NHL season doesn't really start until after the All-Star break, though. Right. Even though you're 50 games in, it, yeah. it, that feels like the divider. Yep. So... We'll cap this one there. AJ, any final thoughts tonight? Um, need to pick up a win. Honestly, they, they've got to beat a division opponent. They have especially, struggled mightily. Yeah. Especially the one they're fighting for second place with. Very true as well. With the Blues running away with it and Winnipeg seemingly falling off. It's, it's the Dallas and the Avs that you're looking at as the main two at this moment in time. Definitely. So, Four-point games are always the case in the division, but some are bigger than others, and this one feels pretty big. It is. All right. So hopefully the Avs can pull out a win for the team, for the standings, for whatever you want to call it. But that is going to do it for this one. As always, thank you for listening. You can catch all of our post-game coverage tonight as usual, and you will hear from us again tomorrow. You can also visit The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. You can go to their website, mygreensolution.com, to order your flowers, concentrates, and edibles, as well as use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase and head to your closest Green Solution for pickup.